0: republic of new york new york there's plenty of money in this country it's
1: just in the wrong hands
0: the moss show politics current events and just a bit of judaism two guys that are always right except when their wives tell them they're wrong you're listening to the moss show
2: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Mash Show. This is Nachman Mostovsky with my co-host,
0: Chesky Moskowitz. How are you doing, Chesky? Thank God, Nachman. How are you doing today?
2: Doing very, very good. Very, very good. Uh, even a little bit better, the fact that two anti-Semites are not where they wanted to be this week in the state of Israel. And uh, that's going to be our topic today. We're going to be talking all about Ilhan Omar Rashida Tlaib. The two rabid anti-Semites in Congress that tried going to Israel for this week. They were going to land um, sometime Saturday. They were going to land Saturday uh, or Sunday, actually, Sunday um, in the morning. And they were going to stay there for four days. Similar to the, to the types of trips that me and Chesky do with uh, members of Congress and, and other people. Um, except the only difference is, is that at the top of hours, it always says uh, trip to Israel or something. Or USA-Israel trip. There seems to say U.S. congressional delegation to Palestine. So we'll get into that um, as we go through as we go through the what transpired since last about Wednesday, Thursday, um, going into the weekend. Um, it seems that Ilhan Omar and Rashida Taleb did not want to join the 71. Uh, I don't know, Chas, do you knew about this. There was 71 members of Congress that were actually in Israel a week and a half ago.
0: Yeah, there were. There were four there were there were thirty forty um Democrats um led by Steny Hoyer and then there were thirty-one Republicans freshmen, which makes sense because there were less freshmen this year than there were Republicans. Um APAC, as you know, runs their congressional trips every two years with the freshmen. They bring them to Israel. Um and um they uh they overlap for three days. So the congressional trip is led by congressional leader Kevin McCarthy, who is a good friend of uh, the you and I, and a, a friend of, of the podcast, we're actually going to try to get him on here one of these days. We're trying to talk to him about it, and he says it's just a matter of scheduling. But yeah, for sure, we're going to get him on. We're going to get on a lot of more members of Congress um, in the day, in the weeks, and months ahead. Um, but in general, is that you have. Um, two separate trips, you have a congressional trip for Democrats, and you have a congressional trip for republicans and this is a
2: joint this is a joint trip
0: so there was three days of the two trips overlapped right uh, as you can tell, the enthusiasm i 'm having for this topic is because it 's a topic that I actually know something about. Nothing usually is our policy guy on the show he he- overshadows me with uh policy so when it comes to just the politicking, that's something I actually understand. <laughs>
1: so, right. Um, so it,
2: what, What's interesting is is that they decided not not to join that trip. They made a conscious decision to go and make their own trip, which they are, they are absolutely allowed to do. There is nothing wrong with them wanting to make their own trip. The big problem is, which what I, I, I'm a little bit confused about, and I'm going to go through this right now, is and this was leaked this was not supposed to come out, was this was an official, this seems to have been, in, in a, however congressional trips seem to be sanctioned by Congress, whether it's the Speaker or, or the legal department of, of the House of Representatives, I'm not really sure how exactly actual workings of trips are, are legalized. But what's interesting about this one, and this was the, the official agenda Agenda is, is, is like an itinerary that was given to the State of Israel, and at the top it says U.S. Congressional Delegation to Palestine.
0: So, so I'm going to tell you how I think this thing got leaked. As you know, well, we know how of- it got
2: leaked. We know how it got leaked. The Interior Minister he, he let it go.
0: Right, but why and how did he get it?
2: Well, uh, the- he got the, he got it because it was officially given to them
0: by. Is that is that the case? I was. On, yes. I, I thought I thought that it was perhaps the fact that. The, the trip the, um, it was given to them through maybe someone in, in Congress no,
2: no, this was officially given because this is actually one of the complaints that, that, that they're lodging against Israel and we're going to go through that right now so, so what started out it started out that they wanted about, about a month and a half ago, two months ago they, they made it be known that they were going to do their own trip Israel said, okay so Let's back. Let's backtrack. Part of part of there was a, a law passed as part of the um, common law in Israel, which is basically a, a the Amer- it's an Israeli version of a bad version of a constitution. They don't have a constitution in Israel, but they have these basic laws. Um, right. They're basically common laws that are pa- that are passed as basic laws, and they passed. You know, the, one of the basic laws that that we were involved with, Suski, was the that Israel is a Jewish state for the Jewish people. But um, one of, and, and, and we were involved in that. It was here passed in it March
0: 2017.
2: And one of the other laws that were also passed recently was the anti-BDS, anti-anti, um, uh, it was an anti-people that promote BDS bill, which is stated that if you promote BDS in a way, so it's not just promoting BDS, by the way. That's what a lot of people aren't noticing, aren't, aren't, aren't talking about it's It's anyone can go and promote bds that's freedom of speech Israel gets that it's when you try to what is when you do it and you actually have steam behind you so Israel actually since the United States is the only country that technically has freedom of speech um, no other country in the world has it. they may claim to have it, but they don't um, Israel also does not have freedom of speech they actually i don't even think claim to have it It's like make believe they do, but they don't um, if they did, they wouldn't ban people from running for office so you, you have what they call anti-BDS laws. So if you go and you promote BDS in a way that will actually go and hurt the country, you cannot enter the country, which logically makes sense. If you want to destroy the country, why should they let you in? You're, so, you're, 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 you're being evil to that country.
0: Hey, let's establish one fact. Every country in the world that's a democratic country does it. They Correct. have all kind of interesting rules. I mean, if you. Think I mean, about we met. It,
2: we met. We met the lawyer. The, the lawyer whose father t- uh, uh, created the term, created the term dreamer, and that actually doesn't even come from Mexicans. It came from the Beatles. The United States didn't want to let the Beatles in.
0: I mean, yeah. If you think about it, the fact is that England is notorious for doing this kind of stuff. In fact, um, as you probably know. Um, one of the most famous conservative talk show radio hosts, Michael Savage, is banned from entering the U.K. because they see him as a threat. Right. Correct. This is a and fact. This is, not, this is not conjecture. Michael Savage is banned from the U.K. 100%. Correct. So correct. I don't see any of these members of Congress um, having any sort of um, outrage that he's not allowed in. But as you're gonna probably point out immediately, that's exactly the point that Israel has the law to protect its democracy and to protect its values, and then lo and behold, you have these two congresswomen who are going on a delegation with MIFTA, which is a pro BDS organization that actually released. Right, we'll get a, to that. We'll
2: get to MIFTA in a second. Okay. Right. So so let's 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 speed this up because in about fifteen minutes we're gonna have on the international spokesperson for Chevron. It's going to be very interesting to hear from him. So, so we have this law. The law states that if you promote BDS in a, in a substantial way that could hurt the country, you cannot be let in. Ilhan Omar right. and, and Rashida Tlaib uh, asked to be able to be let in for with a waiver, Netanyahu and
0: Minister of Interior, Aryeh Dari.
2: Right. I don't know who gives the waiver. The waiver may come from the Prime Minister. I'm not 100% sure. But the the Minister of Interior,
0: he made made the – you're talking about the waiver for Rashida Tlaib?
2: And and Ilhan Omar. They both need a waiver. So the waiver was given – this is an initial waiver. I'm not talking about the waiver that was given on Friday.
0: The
1: initial
2: waiver, the initial waiver to get around the law, I don't know if it comes from the Attorney General. It comes from somewhere in the country. It was given. It was given. Now. We'll talk about some of the mistakes that Israel made going into this. I think they made a lot, and I think they could have actually used this to to help them if they would have done this rightly, but they didn't. Um, Okay, they give the initial waiver, and then they get – and then about Thursday morning over Twitter – now, the question is which came first, the chicken or the egg here? Was Israel not going to let them in? The president found out about it and then tweeted – which is what Israel is claiming happened. Israel's claiming which is probably decision, what happened. Which is probably what happened because, why? because Israel had all its ducks in a row very quickly, way too quickly. If anyone's ever dealt with the Israeli government, they don't work that fast. It's yeah. one of their, it's one of their um, um, if you want to say, holdovers from their socialist period. Their government is very, very slow in and moving. And, and the fact that they had all their ducks in a row – across party lines, means that, that Israel was ready for the onslaught they were going to get. And 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 I think they let the president know, and the president, in his way, went on Twitter and basically said, Israel shouldn't let them in, and then about right afterwards, it was leaked that they're not going to be let in, and Israel said it had nothing to do with the tweet from the president, but it had to do with the fact that Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar were planning on on doing BDS well in the country. Now, what was smart about this was that they said that without first releasing the agenda. So, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib went all over social media, and they may have even had a press conference stating that that wasn't true. Then Israel right. said, It is true. They weren't even going to meet with any of the members of the Knesset or even their own, or even the ambassador. In right. which case, they said, Yes, they were. In which case, They went and released the agenda, which shows four days. At the top of it, it says U.S. Congressional Delegation to Palestine, August 18th to August 22nd. The only time it mentions the U.S. Embassy is when they first come in, and both myself and Chesky have met with delegations in the embassy. We almost always meet with the ambassador, and if the ambassador is not there or is extremely busy for whatever reason... We meet with the deputy ambassador, correct. Who we both know, great guy.
0: A great guy now, by the name of R.A. Lightstone.
2: Very great guy. Now, if neither one of them are available, what's happened with us is that because the embassy right now is under construction, you basically just go outside, you can take pictures near the, you know, near, near the embassy, but it's an active construction site. What's interesting here is that they're welcome and working lunch with the U.S. Embassy country team. I've never heard of this term in my life. I've I've done six delegation trips. I've never heard of that team in my life. It's possible it exists, but maybe typically congressional delegations don't get that team. I don't know. But what I can tell you is that they're not meeting with the ambassador. They're meeting with embassy country team. Now I don't know if that really is an existent thing or they made it up, but it doesn't even say it says that they're that they're meeting, but they're meeting in Tel Aviv, which makes me believe that this is the old embassy, which is not the embassy anymore, so I don't know who they're meeting with, but they're meeting in the American Col- Colony hotel for lunch um it, it, I mean, that's what it says here and right. and and that's in, and that's in in, in it says to be to be determined, right? To be to be determined where the lunch is, but they're in their hotel. So I'm assuming that they're not and, and, and from there they're going to Sheikh Jarrah, the UNRA. So they're not going to Jerusalem. So so what's interesting here is is that they're going from they're in Tel Aviv and they're going to have a working lunch with the US Embassy country team. I have a very Um, good feeling, that these are the Tel Aviv embassy workers. Now, for people who need to know about how embassies are staffed, they are not staffed by Americans. They are usually staffed by in-state staff, meaning Israelis. I mean, I remember when I was in Israel and needed to get, you know, and and wanted to vote, and I called the embassy at that point in Tel Aviv, and then I called the, the consulate in Jerusalem. I couldn't get an American on the phone. They didn't exist. They had no American employees. It was wild. Um, I, 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 I had a lot of trouble corresponding with my own embassy. I know it's gotten better there, especially because as there's tons more of Anglo's in Israel um, than there were 20 years ago. But what you have is them meeting with this team. I don't know if it was official, but let's fast forward a little bit. David Friedman, our ambassador to Israel goes and puts out a release, okay? Now, from the release, it it makes it seem that he had no meeting planned with them. And it seems that he doesn't actually, I don't know if people know this, the, the ambassadors don't actually control their staff completely. It's a very interesting dynamic that ambassadors have with their staff. The staff works for the federal government, and the ambassador is an appointee of the president. It's, right. it's an interesting dynamic. These people were there, no matter I mean, they who usually the president answer, is.
0: Right. They, they answer to state.
2: They answer directly to the State Department. Now, anyone that knows, the State Department is no friend of the State of Israel. It's gotten better under Trump. They're trying to clean it up.
0: Pompeo has been trying to Pompeo clean it up.
2: is doing a yeoman's job. He is. But he's got like 60, 70 years of anti-Israel uh, animosity in that department to get rid of it's not easy. So, so I'm going to quickly read the the important part, which I think is a little um, um, interesting. He writes it. Unfortunately, the itinerary of playable delegation leaves no room for that opportunity. The opportunity he's talking about is visit, um, engage in educational delegation members with regard to Israel's vibrant and robust democracy. Okay. Correct. Now he writes that. It has limited its exposure to tours organized by the most strident of BDS activists. M- my feeling is is that they were meeting with Arabs that, work, that used to work in the Tel Aviv embassy. That's my opinion. I don't know this for sure. Um, we're going to try to find this out, um, but, and we'll, 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 maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it again next week, because uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure this story is going to play out more. But let's, let's keep on going with the story. Which is story actually is, pretty
0: funny, because Nachman, I mean, if you think about it, this is the kind of story that if it was the exact opposite... Um, if it was the other side of the party aisle, it wouldn't be a story. You know? It wouldn't
2: be a story. Not only that, but America has 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 not let in um, members of Knesset. So in the past, now whether you agree whether you agree with that Knesset member, I'm not going to say his name. That Knesset member's uh, ideology—he he—he's a believer in in in, in the ideas of, that Mayor Kahana promoted. Um, at the time, he was a full member of Knesset, and the United States did not let him in. President Obama did Correct. not let him in. And right. we didn't hear a peep out of guys like Feinert and, and the rest of them. But, but, but let's not, that's a side issue. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe mm-hmm. get into that with, with Yeshai. You know, what's interesting is they're also going to have a walking tour of Bethlehem City, a visit to religious sites, and inter-religious dialogue with the Christian community, of which has been decimated. And of, what's interesting is they're not saying they're going to talk to Jews in Bethlehem because, as our listeners will know, when both Chesky and I actually recorded one of our shows from the city of Bethlehem, Right, a city holy to Jews and to Christians, but absolutely not holy at all to Muslims. Except it's like they have mosques there, just like they have mosques everywhere they live. It is not a holy city to them at all. There are no Jews in Bethlehem. There, it's Judenrein. So I guess maybe they were going to talk. Maybe you know, listen, I maybe want to just give them credit. Maybe Chesky, they were going to they were going to talk about how apartheid Bethlehem is against Jews. You think?
0: Could be. You never know. Could
2: be. You never know. We're not going to know because. Um, Let's continue with the story. So the story continues where the interior minister goes, which the interior minister in Israel is not like our uh, interior department, which takes care of the Native Americans. There the interior department is more like our state department, so people should understand that. The, The interior department is similar to our state department, and they go and they release the official itinerary that was given in by these two congress members. So what happens at the, end, at, the, at the end Israel says that if Tal- Talib, whose parents and grandparents are Arabs born in Judea and Samaria and do not recognize Israel so they consider themselves to be Palestinians uh, a, a term that does not exist um, Palestinian Arabs do not exist, they never have they never will because it's just historically incorrect they, they do not they, they are going to give a waiver to Tlaib if she asks and, and promises not to promote BDS while in the country because she, she claims in one of her um, tweets and in her press conferences that it's the, it may be the last time she gets to visit her grandmother, his city, which I'm assuming is an Arabic slang term for our, the Hebrew similar word to Safda. Arabic and Hebrew have a lot of common words. And you have her – I think she's like 97 years old or something. you know, God bless her. And it's funny because one of the highest lifespans for Arabs in the Middle East after, I think, actually, is Israel. Right, I think the third, right. I think it's Qatar yeah. and Saudi Arabia. And, and those are very wealthy countries. It's, 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 the Arabs barely don't work in those countries. It's mostly slave labor. The Arabs are all in the hierarchy of the Arab family structure. And then they have like a lot of slave labor or, or very cheap labor that does all the work. So, so like, like the United Am- Emirates and things like that. So you have – it's also one of the highest educated is in Israel. And yeah. what you have, and I'm not talking about Israel, I'm talking about the, the actual Judea and Samaria. I'm talking about Area A, under the Palestinian Authority. It's even higher when they're under Israeli control. So, or sovereignty should be a better word. So, right. the, so Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, only one of which has Arabic heritage, Ilhan Omar is, is African, she's Somalian. And they tell Tlaib that if she, you know, promises to behave, they'll let her in with a waiver to go visit her grandmother. She Correct. says okay. Not an hour later, I think it was less than an hour later, she decides that her hate for Israel is so strong that she's not going to go visit her grandmother. Of which, Pretty much. The president, which the president finally tweets, you know, the, the one who wins out of this is uh, Rashida's grandmother. Now she doesn't have to see Rashida. Which was, you know, in the, in the president's humorous backhanded way of, way of saying, you know, not, you are you trusting your grandmother doesn't want to see you either. Which is hilarious.
1: <laughs> Rashida Tlaib's
2: grandmother then goes to curse to curse the president. Okay, whatever. This that, that's a squabble. That's idi- idiocy, and it's and it's a side point. What's interesting is what's interesting in this whole thing is not a few hours later, Ilhan Omar, and Rashida Tlaib are fundraising off of this. So this whole thing basically. Now, so now let's go through – I mean so I, I have some disagreements with Chesky over what did went wrong, what, did, what, what was right and what was wrong. I think we both
0: agree. Let's, let's, let's duke it out right now, babe.
2: Now I believe, I believe <laughs> that Israel had all the rights to not let them in. I just think that once they let them in, I think the initial the – initial, and maybe you agree with me, Chesky. I don't know. Maybe you thought about it. I don't know. But I think initially they should never have said yes. They should yeah, have said, I, agree with,
0: I agree with that in other let, let me. I think what me... they should
2: have said was, is let's see what you want to do, and, and let's work together to make sure that this, is, that this delegation works properly. Like every other country that allows government officials in, our government has the right to oversee what you're doing in our country. Now, had they done that, they could have quietly rejected this agenda. And, and maybe said, you know, well, for every one of these things that you're going to do, you need to have something on the other side. And worked it out. I'm sure they could have worked it out. Maybe not. I don't know. But, okay, so but, here,
0: here, here's my perspective on this. Yeah. I believe that Israel originally um, should have not let them in, but Israel was going to make an exception because, understandably... Um, they would want to make an exception because, that at the end of the day, these two women are congresswomen, and out of respect for Congress and the quote unquote long standing bipartisan relationship, they had every interest in making sure that they should be able to enter into Israel. Uh, I agree now, 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 what happened was that the Israeli consulate, or I mean, the Israeli embassy, um, had rec- clearly had received. the the itinerary. And the second that they saw the itinerary, they realized...
1: They did not see the itinerary
2: before the initial okay. uh, Of
0: course, of course. And that's why they were willing to make an exception against their rule, which I did not support. But nonetheless, I could understand the rationale um, because at the end of the day, they are two members of Congress. And they probably... um, And one of
2: which unfortunately sits on a very important... Um, yeah,
0: I mean they both. One of them sits on appropriations, I believe, and one sits on foreign affairs. Right. Which, which, by the way, are both important to Israel's interests. Appropriations right. has effects on uh, on missile defense programs and stuff which like that. Which
2: we'll get that. into after we sit with Yishai. Um, there was an interesting. Uh, um, uh, it seems that the good old friend of 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 Israel's is coming to Israel's aid and. uh Yeah, we'll talk about that afterwards if we remember. Yeah,
0: for sure. We should for sure talk about that. But so then basically what happened is is that then after you have that situation where their itinerary is released, it starts to look very much like this trip is shaping out to be a pro, not only a pro BDS trip, but a trip that's going to um, create a national incident. And I'll explain why. Do you have the um, itinerary in front of you? Yes, I do. Okay, hey, so what is the name of that village where they're going to be visiting?
2: Well, there's a few. There's a few. So na- name Family. for me
0: the different villages.
2: Okay, so we have, we have here uh, we have here Sheikh Jarrah.
0: Sheikh Jarrah, okay.
2: We then have the Afro-Palestinian Community Center. Okay. Khan al ahmar Okay. Uh, then we have... So some of them, some of them don't name the, the, the Okay, so Bet, they're going to be in Bethlehem, but
0: okay. but
2: the organizations they're meeting are all pro BDS organizations.
0: Of course. Well, it was done by Miftah. And that's then, expected.
2: yeah, and then they, they meet in Mifta, then Nabi Salah, and then then they go to the Amira Wastewater Resourcing Project.
0: Aren't they going um, to Nabi? Aren't they going to Nabi Salah?
2: Yeah, but I don't see it here. It could be that because uh, this is like uh, they go to Jasher. Uh, it could it could be they are. It could be it's one of the names of one of these things that they're going to. So it says like they're doing things. You have to know where these cultural centers are
0: because like, they were going that, from what I understand. You've
2: got cultural center. I don't know where that is. You have to know so they're where going
0: that is. to Shef, You said they're going to Sheikh Jarach.
2: Yeah,
0: Um. So either way, I believe um, Sheikh Jarach is um. One of those villages that they used to be, they used to be there, a pro-BDS protest every single year, Um, every single, actually every single um, Friday, um, until Israel actually put the kibosh on this pro-BDS activism. And I'll explain. What used to happen before Israel actually had this anti-BDS activist law was that anyone was able to come in. So you had these activists from the European Union and even from the United States, such as Ariel Alcigol, who would be arriving, who would come to Israel and they would be participating with with groups like B'Tselem and Breaking the Silence and would come to these areas and they would um, participate in a protest. And the way the protest would work is that the Arabs would be um, trying to I guess like um, antagonize the soldiers and then eventually uh, gets a little bit um, heated and then one rock starts flying and before you know it you have a full out riot and the cameras are just taking pictures and it's just showing how right. poor for the Palestinians. These are did. very
2: these are very, very bad bad areas to go to. And and they're they're they're, basically, they're, they're, they're their claim that this is all going to be very peaceful is is also the fact that they're going to be meeting with organizations, American organizations like If not now and bend the arc and all these other organizations, and and which is why you know we, we're going to have Yishay on the phone in a minute. Or of course. Two
0: so just listen to this for a second. I want sure. to tell you something. So as you know, there was this girl named Ahad Al Tamimi, who was a Palestinian activist. She's from the village of Nabi Saleh. And yeah, she's she's that blonde girl that you always yeah see. exactly. So she was actually arrested in one of these protests when she like starts start smacking and kicking a a soldier. Right. Um, if you remember, and she then later went on a world tour to uh, talk, talk about how uh, how terrible her prison sentence was. Right. While she was enjoying a f- pretty much the four seasons, um, which is what the Israeli um, prisons are like. Anyway, they. I think, if I believe correctly, al Jaraf is one of those villages where there were the protests. Now, if Tamimi and sorry, if if Elon Omar and Ali would show up to one of those villages. Rest be and there was such media attention. Rest be assured that Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar would have partaken. Of, of course they would they have. Of
2: course they would have. Of course arrested, they would have. And then they
0: would have been arrested. And just imagine for one moment what being what kind of national inc- international incident you have when two members of Congress, women, with that are arrested by Israel. Now let me tell you let's put it this way. That is ten that is a bazillion times worse than what's going on right now. Correct. If you think that the Democrats are, are in full rage mode right now, just paint close your eyes for a moment and just paint to yourself what it would be like if they actually would have been arrested. Correct. You would have had total hysteria. Correct. Here, and to, to imagine two congresswomen being extradited by Israel—it
2: would have been horrible. And, and and what's interesting is what's interesting is um, you have a a video that is made by Issa Amro, who, who which is funny because it backfires in his face. That he makes this video about how bad it is, um, and he makes a, a video how bad it is, and and while he's doing it, a bunch of what looks like um, Chabad Hasidim start dancing around him, and he even cracks a smile. So the, the city of Hebron, which the, the spokesperson, I, I always say, you know, whenever I talk about Yishai, about uh, Chesky, you know this, I always say he's got the greatest job in the world. You know, you could be a spokesperson for, for an organization, a spokesperson for, for a person, for a team, but being spokesperson for the three, you know, forefathers and, the, and, and, and well, the, the, the four forefathers and the four foremothers because one of the Adam and Eve are also uh, buried in, in Hebron in Hebron.
0: so you, know, you have, you have
2: you know, Adam and Eve and then the three forefathers of the Jewish people and three of the four uh, mothers of the Jewish people he is the official spokesperson for Adam and Eve, uh, Abraham, Isaac Jacob, Sarah uh, Rebecca and, and, and Leah and, and they went and they put out a video a brilliant video. They hired a, 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 um, a company that, that does this really, really well. Yishai puts out this video that basically shows the truth about what is going on in Chevron, and it's it's shocking because you have you have this guy Issa Amro doing saying that it, it's apartheid that that these two Congress members are willing to go and meet with these types of people, and and continue to push this narrative that Israel is an apartheid state. I mean, Chesky, you've been there. You've lived there. Okay, hold on one second. All right, so we have on the phone with us a great, great Jew, who is the international spokesperson for Hebron, Yishai Fleischer. How
1: are you doing, Yishai? Thank Hashem. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me on.
2: We wanted to speak to you about a few things. Uh obviously Issa Umru is is somebody that uh you know well from what, from what I understand. And um I I I for those who who want to see the name of the video is the real apartheid in Hebron and you can find it on YouTube. It's a great video. Um you know um right now whoa, you're you there. I'm right here. All right, you, you must be having some fun over there with your family. I know you guys are in America right now. Um, so, so wanted to know, uh, you know, let's start off with, with Issa Amr. What type of guy is he? Uh,
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't marry my daughter to him.
2: but is he an honest person? Is he an honest broker?
1: No, he's not an honest broker and he's not an honest person and he is working uh, in the field of dishonesty, which is what I call the narrative warfare, which basically is a theory that since the enemies of Israel have lost in the various war in various wars that they have uh, foisted upon us, and have lost every single engagement on the field, uh, they are now engaged in alternative methods to defeat Israel. Uh, and today's major battlefront. That doesn't mean that the other battlefronts aren't active. It just means the major battlefront is the narrative war. And the narrative war is one which seeks to delegitimize Israel, to distance its friends, like the United States and the next generation of the United States, away from Israel. And it also is very active uh, against uh, working on American Jews specifically. Now, American Jews have a, a great susceptibility to the alternative narrative because, frankly, Uh, Unlike the both of you, many young American Jews simply don't know the facts, don't know the scene, and they have a good heart. And that good heart uh, is easily played upon.
0: Manipulated
1: manipulated if you talk about liberal values, social justice, and all the buzzwords that are active today, and you engage them against Israel. And a Jew uh, oftentimes loves to be... Uh, you know self, self uh, kind of reflective and, 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 and unsure if our country is a good country, and if you tell a young Jewish person, "Hey, you know your country's a thief and a rapist and all that kind of stuff," and you show them so-called facts, uh, and you have a few people uh, in an orchestra of voices saying the same thing, you tend to start to believe it, okay um, so So Isa Amru is a type of person. Who is a narrative combatant? He has, he has created, he, he is a person who works day and night to create a certain image. Now, in Hebron, he, ironically. Who does he
2: work for? Who does he work for?
1: Well, it varies. He, he worked at some point for the Palestinian Authority. He probably still gets money from the Palestinian Authority. Uh, but he also works with various European agencies. He's now partnered with, if not now, uh, on certain projects, he's partnered with Breaking the Silence. And these are Jewish organizations. One is Israeli, one is American, uh, who are very much narrative combatants trying to paint Israel as this oppressive apartheid regime which, which is uh, causing horrific injustice. I mean, That's I mean, the recent one. Uh, by the way, another player in that is Peter Beinart. Peter Beinart uh, is... We're going
2: to get to that, that clown in, in, in a few minutes. I want that, okay. I don't know, He's in my list of uh, things we want to get to. So I'm, I'm just curious... Isa Amru Isa claims that it's apartheid. Yet he's standing in the Jewish section of Hebron. What percentage? How many? How big is the city of Hebron? How many square miles is it for America? Hebron
1: is tw- twenty. It's twenty square kilometers, whatever that is in miles. Okay, so uh, it's a it's a very it's a very large city. It's a very large city. It's a very 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 wealthy city. It's the wealthiest of the Arab cities in the uh, uh, in our area, whatever you want so to call it. Twenty kilometers. 20 kilometers square. It's a, square. It's a okay, large so it's city. It's
2: almost, eight, it's almost eight square miles. So very big. It's a pretty big city. It's pretty big because it's dense. It's a, it's a Middle Eastern city. Very dense. Yeah. I'm curious, what percentage of Hebron is Jewish?
1: 3% of the city is Jewish. 20% of the city is, is also defended by the Israeli army. But, 80%, uh, but 97% of it is Jew-free. You didn't, Ryan? And 80% of it doesn't even see an Israeli soldier. You know,
2: in the 3% that's Jewish, Yeah, there are Arabs also living there, correct?
1: 100, 100% about 40,000 Arabs. In yes. the Jewish section, in the Jewish 3%. Wait, hold on. Right.
0: 40,000 Arabs live in the Jewish section of Hebron?
1: It's not a, it's not a Jewish section. It, 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 right, I'm it's saying, it's sorry, the, town the, the, the,
0: the part the of, of Hebron of town. where you guys yes. live, there's yes. 40,000 yes. okay. Arabs?
2: So I if have you to call, me, it, I'm, sorry. If you call it, I'm sorry, Yishai, yeah. you're wrong. There is yeah. definitely apartheid in Hebron. I'm just pretty sure it's not you who's doing it.
1: Right. Let's, let's uh, you know, for the sake of clarity for people to really just understand, we're talking about a city. You know what, let's take a step back. This is something that I've always tried to explain to, to, to kind of every audience. The Palestinian movement wherever it has been, whatever it has touched, has always ethnically cleansed Jews. Okay, if in 1929 they destroyed the Jewish community of Hebron, ethnically cleansed it. 1948 destroyed but, but, the old city that, of that, Jerusalem. Was, that
2: was because in 1949, 20 years later, the country was going to come into existence. They knew.
1: Right. Well, I, again, you're, you're using sarcasm, but I want to clarify for people that don't really understand these things.
2: Right,
1: right. The Palestinian, I got movement, the Palestinian movement has always sought... To ethnically cleanse Jewish people from the land of Israel. That's one Can you of the main. Why? Why? Because well, there's a few different reasons. So you could call it Arab nationalism. You could call it Islamic fundamentalism. But but under Islam, the idea that the Jews or or Christians, by the way, would control a plot of land that was once controlled by Islam is anathema, especially in the Arab Middle East. Okay, especially in an area that they have on, they've had on and off control for about fourteen hundred years. To, to now see a shiny Jewish state in the middle of what they understand is their kingdom, their control, is just anathema. It's, very, it's just they can't, they can't stomach it. And, and you, could say, you could say to me, Ishai, you know, there was also Arab secularism. Yes, yes, there has been Arab secularism, but just like J- Israeli Jewish secularism, it feeds off of Judaism. So, too, does secular Arabism feed off fundamental Islamic jihadism. Okay, so it's basically the same, the same impetus. It's the same impetus. When Arafat, who was a secularist, used to yell a jihad, a jihad a jihad. Okay, he was hearkening back to Islamic sources. And so and so you have a situation where the Palestinian national movement in its various various iterations uh, always ethnically cleansed Jews. It did so in nineteen twenty nine, it did so in nineteen forty eight. People don't know this. The old city of Jerusalem was very populated with Jews. Fifty five synagogues in fact, were. Destroyed. What they
0: call today the Muslim quarter is today. Is uh, what used to actually be predominantly Jewish.
1: Correct. Yes. That's and why so, we go 1948,
0: there, we go the old Jewish quarter.
1: That's right. So, 1948, the Jordanians come. They're also part of the Palestinian National Movement, and they ethnically cleansed the old city of Jerusalem. They would have done the rest of the Jerusalem, but they couldn't. Uh, in the year 2000, the Palestinian Authority sent a jihadist mob against the Jews of Shem and the Tomb of Joseph, destroyed that, ethnically cleansed Uh, Shechem, uh Nablus, Shem, what the Arabs call Nablus. Okay, and in the year uh, 2005, the Palestinian movement, it was our fault that the Palestinian movement essentially was able to ethnically cleanse the Jews of Gaza. Okay, and then... Well, that, this and is and
2: because the, they have a rule called Islam al-Harb, right, where the territory of war, where any land that ever comes under the, the province of Islam must remain that way, which is why they actually believe that Spain, I think, is an actual Muslim country.
1: Right, and that's what I was saying before. They have, they have two concepts, which is Dar al-Salam, the place of peace, which is where Islam is in control, and Dar al-Harb, the place of the sword, which is where Muslims are, are yet to take control. In any case, in any case, the Palestinian national movement has always ethnically cleansed Jews, and, and, and Mahmoud Abbas has said this recurrently, in a Palestine there won't be one Jew living there. Okay, and what is Palestine? Look at their maps of the Palestinian Authority. There is not one Palestinian Authority map with a two state solution. They've always called for the ethnic cleansing of all Jews from the land. do see of that
2: map in Rashida Tlaib's office.
1: No, you do not see that, right? Now, Rashida no, Tlaib. No, Rashida
2: Tlaib has that map in her office.
1: Which map? You're yeah, not going to see a two state solution map.
2: No, correct. It says Palestine. It doesn't say Israel.
1: Right. Okay. That's, and that's, by the way. by the way, when they do that, that's great because then they show their true face. And that's one of the missing components in this war is that, and this is another problem where, where American Jews and Americans in general have a big problem. Americans have a hard time accepting the idea that somebody would bold-facedly lie to you. They just, it's a, it's a generally honest country. That's you know, why they hate doing business with
0: that. Israelis.
1: <laughs> right, because, because, because Israelis a lot of times are also Middle Eastern, and, yeah, and, and, you know, and they're, and they're <laughs> Sephardic a lot of times. And, it's,
2: it's, it's, a it's a different mentality.
1: It's a different mentality. Right. Uh, by the way, this is,
2: we've, we've spoken with, 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 with people that are very you know, in, in, um, knowledgeable with China, and they say that's the reason why we always lose with China, is because we, we think like Europeans and you know, like a gentleman's handshake. In China, in, the, in Asia, where the Middle East is, that, the, that, that entire thought process doesn't exist.
1: But in, any case, in any case, dealing with, with Arabs, Persians, Turks, and the Jews that live in the Middle East as well, it's a different thing. And so Americans cannot believe that an Issa Amru, who, uh, you know, is, is maybe has a good demeanor, maybe he's you know, handsome according to some people, whatever it is, and he says to you, you know, he talks to you in the, in the talk that, you, that you're used to hearing about rights and about equalities and all these kind of things. But essentially what he's really calling for, and this is what's so important, He's really calling for ethnic cleansing of the Jews. He may use the terminology of nonviolence, but what he's calling for is the most violent thing of them all, which is to destroy the Jewish community of Hebron, which has existed right. unbroken for over 3,000 years. Uh, so, 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 so,
2: which gets us to Peter Beinart. How can such a smart yeah. guy be so stupid?
1: He's not stupid. Why, why would you think he's stupid? He's I, I, don't,
2: stupid. I don't know. He, you're, you're, he, you're being...
1: You're being very nice to him when you say that he's stupid. I don't think he's stupid at all. I I I think that he's
2: stupid. He's making practical decisions that make no sense.
1: It makes sense if you have gone over to the dark side. He's gone over to the dark side. He works for the other side. For for me, I see him as a a machinery of the enemy. It doesn't matter to me that he's a Jew. And that's another thing, by the way. I've come up with a new term, which is virtue signaling. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> that I'm a Jew.
0: Uh,
2: Jew? Ver, Jew
1: yeah. I mean, he does it
2: I I pray in a Orthodox right. synagogue. I say.
1: Like right. right. I'm a Jew, and therefore, because I'm a Jew, I have every right to criticize Israel. You know, it's just like I'm black. I could use the N word or something like that. It's like, look, just because you're Jewish doesn't mean that you have any right to say anything about a country in the Middle East. It happens to be the Jewish state, but but we're a Middle Eastern country. Uh, uh, we live on the sword. We, we know better what we need for our security, and we also understand the people around us and respect them more. And, and you uh, are coming with a, I happen to believe that it's a type of colonialism, right? It's like you're coming in with your, your, with your non-relevant opinions, and if, it would be one thing if you, if you were, you know, with your people, but if you're just contradicting your own people and, and the will of, of the Israeli people and the Israeli government, then you're basically working for the other side. And he even of late and on Twitter and Twitter is now where diplomacy really happens has made pronouncements that are that are clearly uh, uh, they're, they're so extreme you know I c- mean he was calling. on he was
2: on CNN with Rich Lowry Rich Lowry um, um, raked him over the coals and basically basically said you're just you're condoning you're condoning blowing up people eating pizza I mean that, that's what you're doing right. and, and he just right. gets all red in the face and all angry and Rich Lowry I gotta give him credit just sits there and just keeps on asking him just very calmly, but, but again, you're condoning terrorism. Don't you think we shouldn't be doing that? And, and he's like, no. It's, it's
1: condoning happening. terrorism. I, I would condone terrorism uh, if, if it was really about freedom fighting. If really another people is stealing your land, we terrorize the, 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 the British government. That's so true. You, it's not I, issue. Agree. I agree with you. I agree with I never understood it's not the saying terrorism, terrorism it's an not... Issue. Yeah, it's not an issue of terrorism. It's an issue of it's our land. These claims are lies. This is a way to ethnically cleanse by blackening our image, by distancing our, our allies. It's not because we're against Islamic terrorism. And by the way, it's not because we don't hold on to this land because the Arabs uh, have not been mature enough to sit down at the table and if they would only... Uh, 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 you know, be a better, uh, behave better, and and be normal, and, and listen to us, and these and that they would finally accept a peace deal, then everything would be right. I hate when I hear that stuff. I, I despise that. I'm not going to give away my land if these if these folks were, you know, were were the sweetest fairies or the sweetest, you it's, know, it's not their land. It's not their land, and that's the bottom line. We it's not because we're waiting for them to, to become more, you know, uh, uh, co- cooperative. That's nothing to do with it. It's not their land, I, it's our land,
2: I, I and we have to ask, speak
1: in clarity.
2: I always say that, that let's go, I always say let's go to the Koran. Whenever I, I'm speaking to, to, to Muslims that, that want to argue this, or even Jews, I say, you know what, I'm not even going to use the Torah. I'm not going to use the Jewish Bible. I'm going to use the Koran. How about this? When they give back Medina, we can talk. Because the Koran clearly says Medina was a Jewish city. And I think it's being occupied. So, I mean, it's in the, it's in it's in their holy book. It ain't in ours.
0: We use Medina. Yeah, but, but, Medina uh... is
2: all over the Talmud.
0: It's all over the Talmud <laughs> yeah. as a Jewish city. Uh, and By the way, yeah, side, this this whole yeah. podcast is like not formal. I'm just giving you the heads up. But as you can tell, the Nahum sarcasm is um, a little bit out of control. But out of it's, control. It, it, it's all good. It's all, it's all good spirit.
2: No, right? I I I say this with, with, in truth. Medina, if, if yeah, that's not anybody is occupying
1: that's not a good argument because because in their mind, the prophet has has the right. The, Muhammad has the right because he's the messenger of God. Uh, if you're going to use the Quran, there are many verses, about four of them really, that speak about the Jewish people's right to the land of Israel, so, and that they'll well, be so,
0: in, in I I was, was
2: going to get to that. And not only that, but let's look at the Quran. The Quran says that Israel is, is the land of the Jewish
1: people. Yeah, but the Quran also says a lot of bad stuff against the Jewish people. A lot. Secondhand. I mean, a lot. Yes. And yes. it's 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 a it's a pretty anti-Semitic tract, and that's a very big problem with with the Quran, which is that on the on the simple read of it, it's really an anti-Jewish book in in, in many of its verses, and so. Look, the, the the DNA of the, and and not only that, that has been stoked uh, in the last hundred years by a various combination of bringing in some of the Nazi uh, language into the Islamic world, etc. and that's people like al Husseini, uh, who who really were very close to the to the Nazi regime. But the bottom line is that one of the deeply, right, the, the deeply unspoken. There's a conspiracy of silence about. Islamic anti-Semitism and how deep it is. Now the the problem is is that it doesn't always show itself in the classic forms of hate. It shows itself uh, today in the language of just what we saw now: uh, Ilhan Omar getting up there, being the brown person, the indigenous type person, uh, and speaking or of. she
2: why... Ilhan's
1: black. No, 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 Ilhan. No, it doesn't matter. I don't mean brown. Like I mean the oh, whatever it is. The colored. The indigenous okay. person, whatever it is, she's she's playing the indigenous, and we are the occupiers, and she's using classic language to fit us into that loop, that narrative
2: uh, uh, the, of making
1: uh, us colonialism. colonialism. The old colonialism. That's right. Right. So when when you call it the Jews foreigners, so basically what you're saying is Jews don't belong in the Middle East in general, because you understand that we're foreigners in Hebron. Or in Judea, we are certainly foreigners in Tel Aviv, and therefore the claim is that we don't belong there at all. And the other claim, and this is, this is the, the dual claims that you're facing all the time, one is that we're foreigners, the other one is that we're abusers. We're abusers. And that is basically the message. We're foreigners, we're occupying, we're abusing. And if you listen carefully, you'll hear every message has these two elements. Every single phrase has these two elements. Now, we have also compounded that through a lot of mistakes in Hasbara. One of the biggest mistakes in Hasbara, That's and even really what Israel's good friends make it, and that, is, that is the mistake of talking about Jewish and democratic. When you talk about Jewish and democratic, you're really confusing people. Instead of saying what Israel really is, which is the ethnic national state of the Jewish people, and that, yes, it favors the Jewish people as a minority in this region, and that it is an ethnic state like the other states around us, instead we make it out to be like it's some kind of, Very, you know, uh, Utopia. democratic state. Right? A democratic state like America, which it is not. And so then the Ilhan Omars get up there and they lambast Israel for not being the total democracy that somehow people have gotten in their heads. Well, Israel is not. And whenever I speak to liberal folks, I say to them, I've got a newsflash for you. Israel is actually not Jewish and democratic. It's Jewish, it runs also some democracy. democracy. Right. But it's not. You know, It's like Japan. You never hear people say Japan is Japanese and democratic. It's Japanese. It happens to run democracy for its own people, but it's not Japanese and democratic. It's not for everybody. And if you try to get Japanese citizenship, you really never will, because okay? you're a gunji, you're white, you're not going to get it, and you're a foreigner. And, and, and that's, that's such an important thing that, that Israel has got to be able to say, no, this is an ethnic national state to defend our minority in this region. It's, an, and, it's, an, it's
2: the original nationalistic state. That's, it it, it right. came from, the original nationalism comes from the Jews in, in Judea and, and Samaria and, and, and the rest of the, the, the areas of the 12 tribes. And,
1: and, you know, that's right, that's right. It's, it, it's built on that, on that kingdom. Uh, and, and really there are many national states in this world. There are many national states. Most that's another thing. That's right, that's another thing that Americans get confused about. Americans get confused on that issue because they think, and this is, a, this is a relatively American phenomenon, they think that the world is like America. It's not. The world is not like America, the majority of the world. And you know what? Maybe America is a better country than the majority of the world. It probably is. You know, I'm here in America right now. It's a fabulous country. It's got so many advantages. Uh, but the rest of the world is our... There are we many have a better government system than, than Israel, that's for sure. Listen, America is a Knesset very blessed go. country. <laughs> it's a blessed I, country. I, uh, the I, word, well, the, the Knesset, Knesset
2: system is a horrible system. It, 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 it's the bad part of the English system. It's got to go. You're,
1: Listen, you're they, talking about... You're talking the actual about the...
2: System, not, not the members. It's the actual system of electing the Knesset is... is you're the talking US. about
1: coalition system versus, versus uh geographic-based yeah, representation.
2: exactly, exactly. And yes,
1: and it's... That's right, and, and I think you are right. And there's, again, America is a blessed country. Uh, by the way, it also came into being, you know, in not such, you know, uh, it, it's not so simple how it came into being. It really oh, did. 100%.
2: 100. These same the people power, actually uh, the United States. Just so you should know, these same people, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, uh, AOC, the, the whole cabal of, of, of people in the Democrat Party, not everybody, but a nice, a nice amount of them now. Consider the United States to be just as racist and just as bad and just as everything and evil as the Jews in Israel. So this idea, this idea, it's a topsy-turvy world. Whoa. You okay over there?
1: I believe i at It's an amusement
0: park, right? That's what it sounds like. Yeah, are,
2: you, are you at an amusement park? That's what it sounds like.
1: It's funny. I, I barely, I, I am at a, a, at a beautiful New Jersey lake, but I'm so far away from everybody. It's amazing that you're hearing anything. Oh, um, i um, every, every
2: so often. But um, uh, I, hope, I hope you're enjoying it. Um, what I wanted to ask you, because you did mention the two-state solution and how, and how it, it, it goes against everything that I guess you believe in, and obviously, you know, being the spokesperson for Hebron. Um, AIPAC does go to Hebron, to Hebron,
1: correct? No, no, absolutely not. Oh, they don't? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. They've never been to Hebron.
2: So you meet with them, or when or, or, when they... When they but i saw that, that this past trip they did go to the the tomb of the patriarchs it says they did
1: apac i think
2: uh, oh uh, I, I, i'm uh, sorry i'm sorry the congressional trips the non, not not apac the congressional the, the, this congressional trip with 71 members was not an apac trip of course it, it was, was an apac trip no
1: they, they did not come to heaven. They did not come to Chevron. it would have been it would have been maybe great maybe they went on their own, maybe they went on their own yeah, yeah, saw... not, not only that, not only that, but but I want to tell you that one of the things that I like so much about uh if not now, which is an anti israel anti jewish organization if they go
2: to the west they uh, go. That,
1: no that their they're, one of their major claims is that the Jewish organized world does not show you the truth of the West Bank of the occupation of the apartheid and all that. And I say, I may disagree with you about apartheid, but I do agree with you that the organized Jewish world should come here. And so my, I'm always egging them on. I'm like, yeah, keep on pushing the, the organized Jewish world, because the more you push them and claim that it's apartheid, the more people are going to have to come and see it for themselves, and the more they'll have to see the truth. And, and, and the way that the Jewish organized world has behaved is that really they don't show you what's going on in Judea and Samaria. They don't show you yeah. the challenges. Don't, the don't lump
2: us all together don't lump us all together i'm pretty sure we we, we uh, Look, bring our thanks. delegation and by the way there's, anyone there's is there's ever in organizations,
1: yeah. there's a few organizations you know national council of young israel and and ZOA and and, and Apsi, okay right. uh, they, and then, they they, they come out also, yeah at, it, well i doesn't really bring delegations but but yeah you know there are there are certainly not everybody's totally complicit but, right. but, uh, but, but there, are, there are some great organizations and great Jews and, and great Christians. And, and you know, and you, you had the uh, you know, National Council of Young Israel brought out uh, uh, Governor Huckabee and, and also Governor Scott came out. Walker, okay, so great. Walker, yeah. Okay, that's right, Governor Walker. So, so great folks come out. Um, but, the, uh, but, but the, you know, average Jewish org is part of this conspiracy. Uh, because and, they, they, and, and, they, and push, the, they
2: continuously push the two-state solution, which now even right. the minority, you know, leader leader McCarthy. I don't know if you saw this. Leader McCarthy now is completely disillusioned in the two-state solution, and he's looking for. Um, and, and we're in touch with him over this. He's looking now for other, other answers to this issue of of Israel. You know,
1: Israel the Middle East.
0: Yishai, did you um, actually have a chance to see what Nachman is talking about?
1: Uh, I've not seen that. I've been a little bit away, but uh, is, is yeah, there but news? John,
0: uh, so Kevin McCarthy was actually questioned uh, several times throughout the APAC delegation trips about the prospect of um, two-state solution. Two-state solution, and he actually said no, he would not support a two-state solution. Which okay, I uh, is amazing. I mean, it's of officially the part
2: of the Republican charter to not. So it makes sense.
1: Right. So that's I mean, right. This
2: is very interesting, and, and even who was it that said it? I think um, what was it? Bibi, Bibi himself, tweeted very recently, or I'm sorry, he he he's in. I forgot which newspaper it is. It, it's recent, the last day or two. A interview with Bibi, I think, and Bibi says, "I remember a time where this was the complete opposite, where the Republicans were anti-Israel a little bit, and the Democrats were entirely pro-Israel,
1: and." There's a little bit there. I, 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 I don't I'm like a kilometer away from any noise, but I want to tell you that um, to me I'm really not so interested in the question of uh, let, let me restate it. I, I think that we have to nip the two-state solution.
2: My question to you is, do you see yeah. the two-state solution as something that's important to keep the idea of bipartisanship for Israel? Um, um, as a reality, or do you think that just let's mixing this whole, this, whole, this whole pie in the sky, completely irrelevant idea, and let the chips fall where they may?
1: So uh, are you asking whether, whether, whether Israel should sacrifice its ancestral homeland, create a jihadist state, and continue an endless cycle of war in order to appease the American Democrats? Yeah, yes. I don't think that's a good idea at all. Okay, okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, and I don't think, and I don't, and I don't believe that bipartisanship uh, means that I have to do stupid things, suicidal things, uh, to please the, an American who's a representative of Michigan or something like that. Okay, I think that I think that bipartisanship means that the Michigan the congressman or woman should consider should want the strength of Israel and therefore should listen to us when we say this is what's good for Israel's security. Uh, in other words, really, I don't even, the word bipartisanship is an American word. Uh, when you're looking at it from Israel, it's not bipartisanship, it's nonpartisanship. I'm not here to appease some kind of an American, inter-American disc- discourse. I'm here to tell you what Israel needs, and that's good for America as well. So from, my, from, from an Israeli point of view, it's non-partisanship. I'm not, I'm not here to play for this side and for this side. I'm here to tell you what's good for our security. And creating a jihad state in, our, in the heart of our ancestral homeland and, to, and, and, and taking away our ancestral rights and, 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 and under, undermining the whole historic narrative of the Jewish people in the land of Israel is extremely dangerous. It's the wrong thing to do. And by the way, it's been tested and it has failed. And so therefore... Uh, uh, you yeah, know but, but I'm not saying people to...
2: that believe that socialism works is just every time it's tried It doesn't work because it wasn't tried. Yeah, right. but
1: that's not my problem. That's not my no, problem. So guys, okay.
2: was tried but it wasn't tried correctly. If we try it another 35 times, maybe it'll work. Uh, okay, that's what they believe. So, so... I, I, I speak to them. They go, well, because guys a hamastic over it. This is going to be different.
1: Yeah. but but again, I'm coming as a, as a representative of Israel, and, and and to me, it's almost there's there's a certain kind of absurdity. And how some people talk about uh, Israeli security as though somebody from Vermont can willy-nilly have have a serious (laughs) conversation about 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 our security situation in the Middle East. It's just it's almost comical. And I'll I'll tell you a story. I was in a congressman's office, a Republican congressman's office, and I laid out to him five alternatives to the two-state solution, which I wrote about in the New York Times. And and so the congressman says to me, "That's all very interesting, but what will my Jewish Democrat?" Colleagues say when I offer them these solutions. I said to him, Congressman, do you ask these Jewish Democrats what you should vote for in terms of abortion. He's like, No, of course not. You know what I mean? We're on the other side of this issue. I'm like, Well, why? They have more right to talk about abortion, which is at least an issue that touches them and have they can have an opinion on, than some issue that, that's. That, that's across the ocean That they certainly don't have a good grip on What are you asking I'm coming to you from Israel And giving you Israel's perspective You're listening to some Jewish Democrat From I don't know From Connecticut or something uh, and, and he's going to You know Why because he's Because he's Because he's got the, the word Jew attached to him It's There are There are it's issues absurd. That all Jews It's absurd there are, it's absolutely there, absurd. Are Jews, there are issues That all Jews Should pine, Should Should uh, What's it called um, uh, You know Opine about Or Or have a say about uh, and that is issues like, like conversion or, or the kotel, maybe, maybe. Okay, there are issues that are important to all Jews. But when it comes to Israeli security, if, you know, uh, it, it's one thing like the two so of you, you gentlemen. Tie, you mean are, they, can,
2: they can legitimately give their opinion, whether we listen to them or not. Right.
1: Everybody can legitimately give, but I, I'm going to discount people who have nothing to do with it. Now, you guys, you gentlemen, I, the difference is, is that you're backing up what the state of Israel is saying. So you're basically hearing our voice and they're saying, this makes sense, and you're bringing it to the halls of power in America, which is an incredibly important thing. But those people, those Jews who are out there saying the state of Israel doesn't know what it's talking about, and I know what I'm talking about uh, because I'm Jewish – uh, that, that does not hold water, in my opinion. Let me ask you, Let me, me, me say quick,
2: Quickly, though. quickly, on this. But it's quickly, because you just broached on it, and I don't want to get off topic. Because uh, AIPAC used to claim that about the two-state solution. When people used to complain to them, why are you pushing a two-state solution? They used to say, well, Israel says it. Now that Israel's not saying it anymore, and, 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 and the, where is their claim that they always back up whatever the official um, ruling of the state is? Because they came out against... Well, when did the
1: you, got, you, 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 gentlemen. That's that's not so much a question for me. That's a question for you. What I mean to say is, I'm not here to. My role isn't to argue intra-American issues. And I agree with you. What you just, your question is is a is a Are true you still question. An American citizen. Question. Yes, I am a proud American citizen. Okay, no, I am so a proud. You should, American. Then
0: you definitely should, as an American, not as a representative, I, uh, right, able to give an opinion on right. American
1: politics. You're right you're right that I have a an a sense a right to but I'm I'm coming as a representative of Israel and right, you guys right are on the you're political activists here which is amazing and it's more your you know it's it's more a question for me I'm I'm saying hey APAC why, why don't you you know you know you know what you know what I'll answer your question a different way which is I say to APEC, hey you guys have to listen to us a little bit more because because you're just like you said you're not hearing that Israel has changed its opinion you're not right. hearing that that old way, like, it's almost like the big policy boat has started turning, but they're not turning with it. AIPAC is not turning with it. So we have a big disagreement in Israel about how to turn AIPAC's opinion. Should we kind of shame it? You know, should, should, should we give it a hard time? I think and other people it. say, no, no. Right, and some people say, no, 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 let's play nice with them. You know, they really are pro-Israel and, and they're very influential and, and, they, and we need to play nice. I think both are true. It really depends on your on your kind I, of. Uh, I think
2: the only way to, to to move that ship is is with the don- the donors, the donor class.
1: And and that, again, that's 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 something that you have you have a yeah. handle on. Uh, uh, it's also we also have to write about it and talk about it, like what we're doing right now is very important. Like hello, AIPAC, hello, the state of Israel has moved away from the two state solution. Yeah, a lot, you lot can, of Jewish Republican say,
0: donors actually support AIPAC. Do you know that? And they, they don't sure. know, they
2: don't know, they don't know. It's not sure, you come, they
1: actively... you, you come to AIPAC, you see now the, the, the uh, Orthodox prayer at, at AIPAC. It's massive. And you're like, wait a minute, there's a lot of Jews here, there's a lot of pro-Israel Christians here. They're more right-wing than AIPAC is. They're more nationalistic than AIPAC In AIPAC, AIPAC, I don't know if
0: you know this, Tisha. AIPAC actually started a, I mean, behind the scenes, obviously, they're not directly connected to it. They started this student pact called Democratic Majority for Israel, Which is 100% a partisan pact. They don't have a Democratic, uh, they don't have a Republican majority for Israel. Um, It was specifically targeted to help um, incumbents like Steny Hoyer, who, by the way, are being challenged by squad um, appointees in their districts. But at the same time, the fact that AIPAC is getting involved in this kind of way, um, it hurts their cause tremendously because it adds a certain partisanship to their um, act- activism, which, in my opinion, hurts Israel. And the pro-Israel community has to be very vocal about this to tell AIPAC to stop this meddling because it actually hurts Israelis.
1: Um, my, my, my only comment on that is, again, that, that that's, that's your ballpark. My ballpark is to say to them, AIPAC, come to Judea and Samaria, come see it for yourself. Show people that they're. they're I, I, let me give you one argument that I really feel strongly about. APAC, which is APEC, has a giant conference every year, which I go to every year. It's called the policy conference. I see you there. The biggest, right? The biggest policy challenge that we need to be talking about today is the future of the West Bank, Judea, and Samaria. That is the biggest issue of our time. Yet when you go to APEC, they will not touch it. They touch it very, very gently and they and they again reaffirm the two state solution. But it's not And a they don't and they don't call it Judea and Samaria, discussion. they call
2: it the West Bank.
1: Right. And and, and they don't wanna they don't medicine. they don't wanna they don't wanna get into it. They just don't they don't wanna touch it. It's too much of a hot potato. And I'm like, guys, if you don't wanna talk about Judea and Samaria I just say Judea these days, if you don't want to talk about the the future of Jews in Judea, then and then you're like you're 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 you you become uh, you've become kind of irrelevant because you're not talking about the issue of our time. And you're not arming the young people. And this is my biggest contention of them all. The young people today on campus, gentlemen, the young people on campus are being challenged with one word, and that word is occupation. They're going to hear it every time they talk about Israel. They're going to hear somebody say, you're occupying somebody else's land. If APAC and the Hasbro organizations don't help, a young Jew be able to, or a pro-Israel person, by the way. The
2: Hasbara in, in okay. Israel is 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 uh, it doesn't
1: I, exist. I'm talking about here in the United States. If a young and, and and let me make it so simple and clear. If a young Jew cannot answer the question, "You have stolen somebody else's land," is that true or false? If he can't answer that, if he can't answer that accusation, he is not armed for the battle. Okay, you have you have brought, you have sent in. Against the tanks, you've sent in horses, and, and that is not serious. Let me ask another question, they, though. No, no amount of Israel's Israel's the startup nation can cover up for this accusation that we have stolen somebody else's land. And so that's, what, that's the main thing that, that we, uh, this generation, especially the two of you, have to help create is, is a sense of clarity about our rights to our homeland.
0: Let me ask you a question, though. I mean, I, I'm assuming that you want to give back to your family, so, just, so let's wrap this up with one more question. What happened, and, and I know it's going to end up like a two-minute, three-minute conversation, so just like this is how I would like to conclude. You saw what happened right now with Rashida Talib and Elon Omar, right? Mm-hmm. If you ran Hasbara in Israel, how would have you dealt with this issue from the get-go, and what do you think Israel can do better to, to s- stronger... Convey its opinions that um, we won't, we wouldn't have a situation like we're having right now, or do you think that Israel dealt with it 100% like 100% correctly, and it's just it is what it is, and there was a lose-lose situation, and they just did the best they could with what they were given.
1: Uh, I think that I, I think that there was definitely some courage that was shown uh, against Ilhan Omar and, and she played, but but there's many other ways that that, that, that it could have been handled. Um, let's put it this way, I've seen situations handled worse it wasn't so, so bad but, uh, but the first thing is we have to always proclaim our indigeneity in, to the land of Israel we have to proclaim our eternal connection to the, the, the great cities of Hebron and Shechem and Beit El and, and Beit Lechem that's number one number two, I would change the name of the West Bank even Judea and Samaria I would start calling it the Israeli Territories just call it that. It's the un- unannexed Israeli territories. Means, just like America has territories. There are American territories like Samar. These are controlled by America. They're not fully annexed. They're not fully made into states, but they are territories and important places that belong to the, to the United States. So, too, Judea and Samaria, the, the so-called West Bank, are not yet fully annexed, but they're Israeli territories. Start saying that. Then start talking about the fact that, that we are, are never going to leave these places, and people can just forget it. Uh, and, and that they'll, they'll never. We're, we're only going to be strengthening our presence here. Make the our intentions clear for the future. Um, um, then start, you know, start making it clear that there is no two-state solution. Uh, then start delegitimizing the uh, the Palestinian Authority by showing it for what it is, which is jihadist uh, and corrupt uh, and and suppressive of not only uh, it's not only anti-Jewish but it's anti-Arab. Make it clear to people what the Palestinian Authority is, and we've been doing that a little bit on Twitter, trying to show uh, uh, what what the real story is. Um, And and look, every time, uh, my my whole attitude is just to be more aggressive, more aggressive, more aggressive with the terrorists. For example, when a terrorist comes out of a town, I guess we didn't talk about this, but like when a terrorist comes out of a town, I say, okay, okay, you know, you come out of this village, let's say Beit Farouk. Uh, a, 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 a jihadist terrorist comes out. You say, "Look, I don't owe you guys entrance into into Israel for work. I'm taking away work permits for half a year because a terrorist came out of your town. That means there's an education system of terrorism. There's an anti-Jewish sentiment. We're going to punish that because we're not going to let that we're not going to let that slide in the state. We're going to be strongly anti jihadist We're going to be clear about about our future of holding on to this land towards the Arabs. Talk also about God and about Allah and, and our rights, like we talked about before." vis-a-vis the Quran, towards the West. So you, you, people, you
2: believe in a collective punishment? So do I. But
1: absolutely. Of course I believe in collective punishment. That's just the way of the Middle East, because there's a collective war against them. That's another thing. One of the first things that I would do is get rid of the word peace. We're not in a time of peace. The other side, it could be Iran, it could be Hamas, it could be Islamic Jihad, it could be PFLP, the, the various Palestinian factions. Talk day in day out about war against Israel. So why why would we talk about peace? There's no peace. You're talking war. So I'm going to talk war right back. And of course, the difference is is that you, uh, uh, the difference is is that we're still willing to hear that there are decent people in that society that may be not part of that. But let's be real. It's a societal phenomenon. You could go into any Arab village and see posters of terrorists. Uh, uh, um, uh, Square is named after terrorists. So let's be real about that so I, Of course I believe in collective punishment Just like they, it, It's not collective punishment, it's a, it's a war That's just a simpler term for it okay? So yeah, of course I believe in collective punishment But I don't, I'm not saying kill everybody I'm saying you don't have to have a war permit If you weren't able to police yourselves In this area, then you shouldn't come to Israel For half a year And I'm sure that, that would solve the problem very quickly um, um, And in terms of narrative Speak to people with clarity it's time to make it clear. We intend on staying in this land forever. We don't intend on creating a Palestinian state. We've tried it. It's failed. It's the wrong thing to do. This is our ancestral homeland. We intend on holding on. And we're going to figure out a way to give the most amount of rights to the most amount of people without endangering our security, okay, because that's number one. The number one goal of the Jewish state is to be a defender of the Jewish people. That's its number one goal. Uh, and it's not its number one goal to create rights for Arabs, etc So, you know, it's, it's, going to take, it's going to take a little bit of uh, – if I had to reduce it to one word about how I would handle the situation, you might find this kind of ironic. The, the one word would be clarity. Speak in clarity. Speak in clarity about what we, what we intend to do with the future of this area, how we intend to treat people, how we intend to be bad to bad guys and good to good guys, and how we intend to hold on to this land forever. Speak in clarity. And you'll see a lot will be healed through that clarity.
2: Very good. Thank you very, very much, Yishai, for, for coming on. And if anyone ever finds themselves in the holy city of Hebron, uh, call before and uh, try to get Yishai, because he gives one of the best tours. I mean, you got to have a pretty big group in order to get him, but he, he gives one of the best tours of... And, and he'll also give you, if you know, our Christian friends, he gives you the entire historic um, narrative and the real narrative of the city of Hebron. So, Isha, go enjoy your family. Thank you so much. And uh, I guess have a, safe, have a safe trip in America.
1: Thank you very much. And I want to thank you, gentlemen. I, I, I don't know, uh, I, maybe you do know, but, but I know that you guys are doing an incredibly important job. And I'm very excited that there's, like, this new young generation of, like, tough, smart whippersnappers that are out there fighting the right fight. It gives me a lot of confidence just to hear you guys on the air talking about these things. And not just on the air, but I know that this on-air aspect of what you're doing is a small aspect of the real activism, which makes it so, this show so much more deep because you guys know what you're talking about. You're meeting the people. You're active on the ground. It, it fills me with a, with, with a lot of hope. You know, there's a lot of things out there that make you think to yourself, like, oh, my God, you see the J streets, and you see the If Not Now, you see the young Jewish people being brainwashed. You're like, oh, my God but when i hear the both of you i'm thinking to myself there's a, there's a strong future and it also comes with a great heritage of where you guys are coming from so i want to wish you a lot of strength and i look forward to a lot of victories together as Hashem. okay Alrighty. thank you
0: thank you yishai looking forward to seeing you room again very soon
1: yashkur thank you again bye bye so that was
2: that was a that was a very interesting interview with yishai um and and you know we'll have him on again as you know if, if hebron or or some of the other types of topics um, come up i don't know if people knew that I think he was originally involved with with Arut Sheva. so he his knowledge of 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 these of these ideas and, and these topics go way back to the original oslo accords he's He's a great guy um he really does give a super terrific tour of hebron of chevron and um and it was great. You know, we spoke with him a little bit about the Hasbara. And I I, I had, you know, before we brought him on, I, I was saying how I, I don't agree with the way Israel handled it only because from a Hasbara perspective, not from a legal perspective, from a legal perspective, I, I think they did a very good job. But from a Hasbara, a Hasbara would be like PR in, in Hebrew. It's, it's vernacular of, course. of Israel. It, they did a horrible job. And, and one of my ideas was, one of my ideas was is that they should have allowed it. But what they should have done, what they should have done, was turn this on them by having buses of, of of Jews ready to go into Bethlehem with their with their yarmulkes on, with their kippahs on, their head coverings. When they go to the when they go to the up to the Temple Mount, you have Jews and Christians go up with them and pray up there. Which, by the way, for anyone that knows, you're not allowed. Um, and and but with Not, the with, you
1: think this?
0: What just came in on the wire?
2: With the president?
0: Yeah. Let's. let's, let's
2: wrap up um, I, on I'm going to play. I'm going to play. I'm going to play that. Hold on one second. The president says. Any Jewish people that vote for a Democrat,
1: uh, I think it shows either a total lack of knowledge or great disloyalty. All right. Thank you very much. Everybody.
2: So yeah. That was the President of the United States. You heard that, right? You know
0: what's so funny? My grandfather said the exact same thing.
2: Uh, 20 years
0: ago, in the Jewish press. Yeah, it pretty much. So I stand with the, the President on listen, this. Maybe the, president the President does not mean he's loyal. He's not saying do loyalty. But yeah, you know what? it is it such a big deal that the President actually gets it, that Jews are supposed to be loyal to the Jewish people, and that people who attack the Jewish people, no matter where they are,
2: Sassy, I so your, microphone. The your, your microphone might be a little bit too far. I don't know what's going on over there. You're breaking up. Are you
0: you're, you're not hearing me?
2: Um, you sound computerized. Um, oh. So, so it's been happening like on and off. Um, so, you know, listen. This is a new podcast. we only I think it's our tenth week or eleventh week, whatever it is. We're, we're getting the hang of it. We're getting some of the, um, you know, the machinery fine tuned. So just bear with us. Um, but I, I, I think that had they done this, you see, they, they. The problem with the right, the problem, it all goes back to Saul Alinsky. The, we got to just read their playbook. It's there. Just read it. It's not hard reading. Just read it. Any—if If Bibi would have read Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, he would have let them in, and he would have just followed them. When they go to... The, the Temple Mount, you get 300 Jews to go to the Temple Mount and to pray there and let the Jordanian police chase them away. Let the Palestinians riot there for the whole world to see how apartheid happens in areas that the Jordanian police and the Palestinian Authority control. When they go to Bethlehem, you have three buses waiting outside to go visit, to go visit, um, because you don't have to be Christians. Uh, to, 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 with buses of Jews that want to go into Bethlehem to go see um, um, the the areas that, that the king of uh, 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 that King David uh, King David started out his kingdom in Bethlehem. He didn't start in Jerusalem. Jerusalem came later. He started in Hebron and in Bethlehem. Of course, um, uh, you know in the Jew, in, in the Jewish Torah, Bethlehem and Hebron are the same thing. Based Be- <laughs> and he Hebron That's the, they're the same city. It's one huge city. It happens to be separated today, but in, in reality, that whole area is the area of Hebron, of Beit Lechem. Um, it's one area with two names. It's sort of like, you know, Jerusalem and Zion. A lot of the Jewish cities had multiple names. So, so you have this idea that there's apartheid. Well, why didn't Israel just use this, use this to show that the apartheid is only in Arab-controlled areas? But they Correct. didn't. Now, I think it ended up because, you know, they can't help themselves. You know, the, 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 these progressives, they can't help themselves. They ended up shooting themselves in the foot because I got to give arya Derry credit. <laughs> I think he saw through this, realized that Tlaib, there was no way in the world she was going to come anyways. So agreed to let her come. And then she said no. And a lot of these Democrats within hours, and Republicans, by the way, there were some Republicans. I got I to admit, Marco Rubio blew it big time on this one. I think he should have kept his mouth shut, or at least like some of the other guys, Ted Cruz came out, some of the other senators came out, and said, listen, Israel is a country of laws, and just like America. They're allowed to abide by their law if they so choose. Um, I think what Marco Rubio did was wrong. I don't think that he's, he – see, that's the difference. Marco Rubio's track record with Israel is extremely strong, whereas you know, Steny Hoyer's is not. So, I mean, APAC perceives it as strong, but it's not. You know Chuck Schumer can claim from today to tomorrow, tomorrow to be the Shomer Israel, Shomer Yisrael. You know, he screams that at the Israeli Day Parade. Yet when he had the opportunity to completely squash the Iran deal, and if anyone tells you that just because he voted against it means that he was against it, knows nothing about politics. Chuck Schumer, for anyone that, doesn't, that knows, and for, you now, for all of you that don't know, is the only Democrat in the entire Senate who can raise money. He's the only one. People don't know this. Nancy Pelosi is the only House member that can raise money. It's why she's the speaker. That's usually how it works. The biggest fundraiser becomes the person in charge. That's typically how it works, not always. You know, Newt Gingrich I don't think was the biggest fundraiser, but he was able to get a message out. He was a great messenger. And and when he had his, you know, his 10 rules that he was going to run on, the 10-point plan, whatever it was, 15-point plan, sitting on this House steps, he was able to take control... And that, was, and that was the reason why he took control. But for the most part, the leaders of the parties are the fundraisers,
1: okay? Yeah.
2: And I'm being honest with you. It goes the same with Kevin McCarthy. That's usually how it works, okay? Correct. Now, it doesn't mean that nobody else can fundraise because you do have other fundraisers in the Republican Party that are powerhouses. But in the, Republic, in the Democrat Senate at the time, there was only one person who can, who can do major fundraising, and that was Chuck Schumer. And the fact that he was not able to call up two or three people in the Democrat caucus and say, listen, you vote for this idiotic bill, and you are not going to get one more dime, means that he honestly didn't care. Not only that, but in my opinion, he supported the Iran deal. That's my opinion. I'm entitled Correct. to it. I think he supported it. He didn't. He came out against it only once there was enough votes for it. That's a fact. You can go look that up. He came out against it the day that the last vote was locked in for the Iran deal. So in my opinion, the Iran deal should be called the Chuck Schumer deal, and it should be called the Obama-Chuck Schumer-Kill Israel deal, and I personally believe that he is not as big of a Zionist as he claims to be. Now listen, is he a Zionist in a Democrat fashion? Yep, very possible. I think Elliot Engel's a much bigger Zionist than Chuck Schumer. I think he should be given a lot more credit for the stance that he has taken. Not that I agree with Elliot Engel on anything else. I think Elliot Engel came out against Israel, but listen, he's a Democrat. He's going he's to he's do what Democrats do. And circling the wagon is not something that's unheard of in politics, though, I mean, sticking up for two anti-Semites should be beyond the pale, but it isn't with some of these people. And I think the president is right. I think uh, the Jewish community needs to take a hard look fast, and fast look at the Democrat Party, just like the Jews in England are doing. I'm not saying become a Republican. I'm not saying become a conservative, Obviously but don't
0: vote have... for people who support these two vile women,
2: and don't teach, support
0: them. Teach, don't give them the, your Teach money. the Democrats a lesson. Don't give them donations. Vote for the side that actually cares about Israel. This stay election, stay home. Stay well, home. That's what, you know what? Stay go home.
2: I, I don't. I'm actually not a big proponent of staying home. I don't think that shows a message because being in politics doesn't show anything. Go and vote. Take your ballot and leave it empty or write in a candidate. Correct. But if thousands of Democrats in these areas started to vote like that, where they went and they took their ballot and they didn't vote a name, they just put in the blank empty, that would send a message to your caucus like you wouldn't believe. I, I, I'm telling you for the health of your own party. If, 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 it, if, the, if the, the Jewish Democrats continue to vote the way they have voted Jews, in Baltimore,
0: there's 5,000 Jews in Baltimore, in
2: Chicago, and Florida, and Michigan, in all of these states that have very, very progressive liberal Jewish communities. And they went, and you started to see 10,000, 20,000 undervotes. That means that the vote was, was given, but no vote was tallied. That would send shockwaves to the Democrat Party. Ilhan Omar would be, would be on a daily basis brought in front of the well and admonished for anti-Semitism. Because Nancy Pelosi would be given the, the ammunition that she needs to, to you th- – I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think Nancy Pelosi is an anti-Semite or a racist. I don't. I honestly don't. I, I think she's probably pro- more pro-Israel than some of the Democrat Jews in that caucus. I'm going to be honest with you.
1: Her Correct. record
2: is pretty strong for Israel. It really is. okay I believe if Nancy Pelosi could turn to her caucus in the caucus meetings and say, guys – you, we're getting shellacked here. We got thirty thousand uh, Jews showing, Democrats showing up and voting in, in Florida, and they're not voting for us. They're voting. They're not voting for the Republicans. They're just leaving the bubble empty. And and, and in Chicago we got ten thousand, and in Boston we got ten thousand. In Pennsylvania we got the thirty thousand votes that are just under. She can go into her caucus meetings and go, uh, you know, listen, I I'm very happy, Ilhan and and Rashida and AOC that you got elected. You know, you're only three votes here, but now you're not even going to be those three votes. We're ignoring you. You're going to be the new David Duke. So why you, are they not doing that?
0: I think the Jewish that?
2: Democrats, to be honest with you, I think the younger Jewish progressives actually agree. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing a shift where these Demo- – first of all, let's not call them Democrat Jewish voters. They're progressive voters.
1: They're Correct. not their
2: parents' Democrat. They're not their parents' Democrat. Okay. What you're seeing They don't
0: believe in the Democratic Party the way we that way, that and under quote, unquote, Jewish
2: law, under Jewish law, many of them aren't even Jewish.
0: Oh my gosh, not nah, when you and say and, that, we're going to get in so much trouble.
2: No, why? Right. <laughs> under Jewish law, most of these people don't even have one Jewish parent.
0: That's true.: Oh, yeah, like the like uh, the Jews color.
2: Yeah, there's, there's some lady that goes around claiming to be Jewish because she claims so. She, she doesn't have a Jew. Her parents are Christian. She said, "Well, I decided that I want to associate with Jews, and I want to. Uh, uh, I define myself as Jewish, and I'm and I and I and I'm a member of I don't know what organization she's members of, either Bend the Arc or or if not now whatever. But from from the the the, the supposed story of this lady is she's Christian. She's not Jewish. Now." No one's been able to show that she has converted under any spectrum of Judaism, even Reconstructionists, which is basically you give a donation and you're Jewish. I mean, right. it's, it's these people are not, and for the most part, you know. Uh, and listen, Jewish law, again, like like Yeshai said, we are an ethno-religious people. Being Jewish comes along with Jewish law. I'm sorry if that offends some Jews that don't like Jewish law, but that's the reality. Just like being Correct. an American, you've got to follow American law to become an American. You've got to swear allegiance. Well, guess what? To become a Jew, you've got to swear allegiance to Jewish law. Okay? Correct. Now, I know that offends a lot of people. Guess what? I don't care. Being offensive, just because you're offended doesn't mean what I'm saying isn't true. You get to get offended. That's, that's your right. Hate speech doesn't exist. It's, it's a myth.
1: Speech exists.
2: Now... Unless you are willing to follow the 613 commandments, now obviously not everybody follows all 613 because some are for some people, some are for others. Some are for bankers, some are for farmers, some are for our Levites, some are for our priests, some are for our our converts. Um, You know, One of the 613 commandments are the laws that actually are the ones of how you do a conversion. Well, I can't do those because I'm not a convert. I, I, I was born Jewish. So it means that you accept the the, the yoke that the 613 commandments puts over a person, the fear of God, going into the the ritual bath, and then going in front of a tribunal, a Jewish court, and accepting Judaism. Now, if you're not willing to do that, you're not Jewish. I don't care what any other stream of Judaism states. It's irrelevant. They can make up their rules from today to tomorrow. These... I would be willing to bet that, first of all, most of the people in Bend the Ark and If Not Now and all these other organizations, most of them are not even going to have children because they're not married and, and they don't believe in it for progressive reasons. They, they think the world's a horrible place. Why would you bring kids into it? And they're too busy advocating for – to actually sit down and have a family. But, Correct. But even the ones that are, they're not marrying within their own – within the Jewish religion. And again – I'm not saying that marrying outside of your religion is good, bad, or indifferent. I'm saying in the Jewish religion, that's not allowed. So, if you mar- if a male marries a non-Jewish female and has children, those children are not Jewish. They're not. The state of Israel does not recognize them as And I know that's insulting. I was at, uh, at an APAC event, and somebody got up and said, it's disgusting how my grand... I'm a, I'm a Holocaust survivor, but when I actually challenged a person. They actually weren't a Holocaust survivor. They were they, – they lived in America. She said, I'm, I'm a second-generation genera- second American, not a Holocaust survivor. Looking at the age of the guy, I realized that was practically impossible. So I got up next and asked him – I said, listen, I, I'm sorry, but you said you were a second-generation American. How are you a Holocaust survivor? Well, I'm not. I have relatives that are, my aunts and uncles. I said, okay. So I said, so you were lying. Just to, 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 get, to get brownie points. He blamed everything on the Haredi community, even though it's actually the non-Haredi community that have this bull. But the fact of the matter is, he says, well, my grandchildren can't go to Israel and can't move there because the Israeli government doesn't consider them Jewish. And the, the Knesset member from Meretz at the time said how it's all the Haredi's fault and uh, a labor. And I forgot the third left-wing party was. Um, it was um, uh, Meretz? Lapid's party. No, the oh. Lapid's party. Yei Shatid. Um, Those three, the member of Likud was sitting there like a lump on a log, not saying anything. That was the first and only APAC breakout session I have ever gone to. I basically called the moderator a racist. I said, if if you guys would have been talking about any other minority, black, Arab, Ethiopian, you would have stopped them as being racist. But because it was Chiloni, it was okay. Um, I said, you're an embarrassment. You should take your yarmulke off because this guy was an Orthodox Jew. He was completely caught, caught, a bat, caught, caught um, the few Orthodox Jews started clapping and everyone else. And I turned to this guy and I said, listen, I, I'm very sorry that your progressive values trumped your Jewish values. If your ch- grandchildren aren't Jewish, why would they want to live in the Jewish homeland? It doesn't make any sense. He's like, but what do you mean? I said, well, I'm curious. Do they actually abide by any of the Jewish customs or rituals? He goes, no. I said, do they have a Christmas tree? Yeah. I said, so why do they want to go to Israel for? I said, America's just fine and dandy for them. Well, they don't want to, but what if they do? I said, well, what, what if What if I, you know, what if... What if, if I, I want to eat a
0: cheeseburger?
2: What if I want to be the Pope? I mean, what if, what if? What kind of stupid question is that? I mean, I, I didn't answer that to him. I was looking at him shocked because I just didn't know what to answer at the time. like, what if? I mean, it, it, the problem is, is progressive Jews have taken off the Jewish part, and they've cut the progressive part. There's a famous Ben Shapiro video where he talks about the Jewish vote and he basically says the Jewish vote is the Orthodox Jewish vote, which overwhelmingly votes Republican. I'm not saying everybody. Listen, I am on the New York State Conservative Party. I have a good friend of mine. and He's a Reformed Jew. He's actually quite high up in the hierarchy. He's also there with me. He's a conservative. But he has to keep to himself. Because he doesn't agree with any of the stuff that's going on in his movement. You know, I'm trying to convince him that maybe it's not, his movement's not for him anymore. But, but you know, it, it, it's, it's a very, very big problem. Progressivism has completely taken over the, the other forms of, of Judaism and it's a very, very big problem. And I think the answer is going to be unfortunately, with the Pew research, you know, they did their the Pew study, the answer is going to be when those other you know as they marry out and don't have children and the orthodox you know stream becomes the majority stream in America which is going to happen in the next decade or so and what you're going to see is a massive shift but the question is what happens up until then and up until then I think we're going to continue playing this game and I think you're going to continue blaming Trump for everything i mean you have somebody I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure now all the anti-Semites are going to say that Trump is an anti-Semite because he said that Jews are disloyal if they vote Democrat. That's going to be the spin. I haven't seen it yet, but it's
0: for sure, sure going to be the spin. That but is that's going We're going to, be we're going to sure have to be spin. after the. The spin is going to, to be that him. Trump
2: said you're disloyal to America. No, he said you're disloyal to Jews. He's saying you're being disloyal to the Jewish people. Okay, Jews are very one of the only. With one of the only ethnocentric religious na- national thing out there. I think the Yazidis are kind of quasi the same. And both of our religions kind of go back almost as long as each other. But the difference between the Yazidis and, and, and the Jews is that the Jews have their national homeland back from the, you know, the initial area. The Yazidis are the people of if Anyone's ever re- read the book of Jonah? That's, the, that's those people. They are an ancient people as well that also have their own religion, their own peoplehood. It's, it's the same thing. As Yishai said, Americans tend to think like Americans. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is that that's not the way the world is. And I think Trump realizes that. And again, I always go back to what I think the Trump doctrine is. And I think I'm the, one of the first, if not the first, to say what the Trump doctrine is. And I think it's reality on the ground. The reality on the ground is that the Republicans are much more favorable to the state of Israel, to the Jewish people, and Jews that are being, you know, voting for the same Democrats over and over again, I think are are showing a certain amount of disloyalty to the Jewish people, and I think he's right.
0: A hundred percent. Jewish voters have to start making choices, not because they want to, but because the Democrats are forcing them to.
2: You know what? Maybe, Maybe for one vote. Israel and the Jewish people should be a more important thing than planned parenthood. Maybe just once. Just once.
1: Yeah, pretty let's much. See,
2: let's see if the Jewish Democrats can do that. Let's see if the Jewish Democrats can put because a lot of them wear those planned parenthood buttons into into the voting booth. Let's see if you can put Israel You claim to be pro-Israel? You know what? I think planned parenthood can go without one vote. I think you should go this time around and go and vote, but don't vote for the Democrat. Don't vote for the Republican. Don't vote for the conservative, don't vote for the independent, don't vote for anybody. Go and vote and leave your vote blank. Leave your vote blank. Send a message to your party that you're not going to take it. Because if you don't, you're going to be the labor party in England. You're going to have no choice but to walk away. And you're going to have no home. Because, listen, I'm not going to tell you you're going to become conservative overnight. So obviously the Republican Party is not for you. You have progressive values. Those aren't going to go away. I think they should. I hope they would. I think they're morally bankrupt. But I, I, the reality is they're not. So if you want to continue to have a home in the Democrat Party, unlike in the labor movement in England, you better do something now before it's too late. Because you have one or two or maybe three more votes left before you're completely decimated, before Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. Because I'm sorry and to tell your you.
0: Youth. And your youth will
2: embrace. Your youth that. is morally bankrupt. Don't send them to college if they're going to be joining organizations like Bend the Arc and if not now. These organizations are anti-Semitic.
0: Yeah. Um. With that,
2: we are out. Have a good night, everybody. Again, next week, 9 o'clock, JTribeRadio.com.
0: You've been listening to The Mars broadcasted from the socialist republic of new york but please don't tell our governor he asked us to leave they have no place in the state of new york tune in again next week tuesday at 9 p.m eastern or go to j tribe radio to listen to the podcast anytime on play itunes and stitcher